Welcome to Pop On Leadership, a conversation between two friends who are obsessed with leadership development and helping people navigate their careers within organizations and also obsessed with pop culture. I'm Virginia Martinez. And my name's Kara Kirby. Together we have over 20 years of working inside of organizations and now we both work outside with companies all over the world helping them drive their people first practices. This first season of Pop On Leadership is dedicated to a show called Ted Lasso. We're going to walk through the first 10 episodes unpacking all the leadership lessons along the way. So let's get into it. (laughs) Welcome back everybody and this week or this episode, um, we are diving into Ted Lasso season one, episode three. And so if you've watched this episode, you know, and if you don't, here come some spoilers, but we start to take these characters that have been sort of a little one dimensional and start to see more dimensions to them. So right, so the, the whole episode opens up with the morning routines of Rebecca and Higgins and two very different people. Rebecca's alarm goes off, I think at 6am. But then you see that she's fully dressed and already <laughs> charging out the door for her day. Higgins at his, is at his breakfast table surrounded by like a, a, a bevy of sons. Like I think he's got five kids around him in this like cute little quaint house. And um, you just start to like peek into their lives a little bit more. And, and just their routines give you a sense of their personality. The other big thing in this episode is there's a lot around Nate. Nate becomes um, kind of like the plot device in many ways that we're going to talk about things like um, how do you contribute on a team and how do you use your power and privilege. But here's what happens in the episode itself. Nate's got a great idea and is a little holding back. Um, and and Ted wants to pull it out of him. And we also see that Nate continues to get bullied quite a bit in the locker room. You know, they're like throwing him into laundry hampers or calling him trash. And Roy's not happy with it. Jamie's kind of the leader. Jamie's using his influence to get other people to bully him. And ultimately, Roy gets sick of it um, and, and doesn't really know what to do about it. And that finally, at the end of the episode, he... He does something. So we're going to unpack some of those things today and how it relates to team dynamics, your leadership style when you're leading teams, and also when you're a team member and you want to stick up for something you believe in. Um, so when you watched this episode, right, I'm curious, what jumped out to you with these themes? Well, I think that we should talk about Nate first. So this is an area of passion of mine. So there, there is this belief that I have that most of the ways that organizations select leaders right now is outdated and is actually leads to a lot of toxicity inside of this collection of humans which are in an organization. And what I mean by that is most times organizations are promoting the highest performer and they are not selecting the leadership qualities that actually will lead to, um, you know, to a healthy team. And and what I mean by that, it's like listening and asking good questions and and being the leader that eats last. So if if you are looking for those qualities, a lot of times they exist inside introverts. They exist inside the people who do not want to speak up all the time. And I am such an advocate to finding people who don't think that they want to lead and convincing them that they'll actually be good <laughs> leaders. People hate it about me and I've actually gotten a lot of backlash on it. But 
but but but people have such such skewed definitions of what leadership is and once they can understand that they are just facilitating a group of people working together and their natural skills to listen and observe and to help people thrive is what we need in team leaders like it's it's my happy place. So I think that that's what Ted, it's what Ted is doing with Nate. He knows that Nate is an expert and Nate has all these capabilities. I mean, we find out later that he's got a little bit more of an evolution to go, but 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 Ted knows that there's there is a well of brilliant ideas that are inside of Nate, and he's bringing them out. He's not waiting for Nate to step forward. Right, and I and I think something right because by by current standards or normal standards the jamie tarts will get promoted and be seen mm -hmm. as leaders even with their bad behavior because to your point they score the most goals they yep. have the highest performance right and we know the toxicity that that creates on a team i love what you're saying too because we do see nate's arc over time and he does become a leader he does find his voice he does build in his confidence right so there is this like really nice moment in this episode where it's almost like he's never been given permission. Mm -hmm. He's never felt safe to to contribute. And so if Ted invites him in and there's that like really, really cute moment where like Nate's got an idea on like a piece of paper and he's like, no, no, never mind. I just don't. And and you, I think you do it best. You always do the Ted impersonation. <laughs> I have a tricky time here. Folks that don't believe in themselves. <laughs> It's that Texas. Yes, that yeah, was yeah. a horrible impersonation, but whatever. No, no, it's way better than like my like New Yorker California impersonation would have been. But I love that he's like, I have a tricky time hearing people that don't believe in themselves. And then he's like, well, here's this idea. And he's like, whoa, 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 stop shouting. But there's something really sweet about, hey, like you should believe in yourself. I'm going to believe in you. Don't like that, that sort of safety moment. And it's so much easier to help, at least I find in my life, and maybe this is because I'm just like obsessed with this. I'm like obsessed with introverts and like helping them know that they don't have to change anything about themselves and they're just so perfect the way they are. But it's so much easier to help somebody who might have confidence issues and believe in them and be that, be that person behind them than somebody who is like a narcissist or somebody who... <laughs> Just like, I mean, there's a lot of them out there, right? Yeah. But like, yes. and, and I don't, and I still have faith. I still have faith in people with inflated egos. Usually they're doing that to protect themselves yeah. and they can still be brilliant leaders, but it's, it's very hard to help people through that transition. You find someone who doesn't believe in themselves and you're just their fucking cheerleader, like, like that. Yeah that can move mountains. Yeah, I think it's always like if you think about people who if you believe that everyone has potential and talents to share, and they're willing, like the actual variable is like your willingness to invest in them and their willingness to listen, like the sky's the limit, right? Um, for me too, a big theme sort of of this episode was this idea of like power and privilege, like, mm -hmm. Ted, if we go back to this Nate example, he's the head coach or, you know, he has power and privilege and he's using that for good, right? He's inviting people in. He's sharing the stage. He's sharing the mic. All these terms that we hear sort of creating space for other voices. The other big storyline in this, right, is like Nate being bullied in the locker mm -hmm. room by Jamie Tart and his minions. Jamie's got power and privilege that he's completely abusing. 
<laughs> and he knows it. He knows it. And he's taking advantage of it for his personal gain, right? Because he doesn't really care. And then as we sort of see Roy in the beginning, and I know we want to sort of unpack this a little bit, is like, in the beginning, Roy's like, well, someone should do something about this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he even says to Jamie, like, you don't even realize how much influence you have. You know, like, he's sort of like, Jamie, you need to do something. Ted Lasso, you need to do something. And so, but at the end of the episode, we find out that he recognizes his own power and privilege in the moment, and he does something about it. But we did want to talk about sort of those moments of how, what what happens in team dynamics? Like when, when does the team itself have to take accountability for what's happening and not expect their leader or boss to solve everything? Yeah. Um, yes, absolutely. Like we have a lot to unpack with this. Um, a, a good theme that Ted says to that Ted says during this episode is that Roy is the first domino that needs to fall. Mm -hmm. So Ted Ted knows that like his job is to create leadership on this team across the team. And so when he's looking at Roy, he's like, if I can create leadership and show people that I that that Roy can embrace his natural leadership and its positive natural leadership, the rest of the team is going to be elevated as well. Um, and and I want to go back to what you said about. About the team accountability. So this is something that's so important for first-time leaders. Um, one of my fears is that you have great leaders that are like the empathetic good listeners, but then they get taken advantage of by the team. Mm. So you might have like the people who complain all the time and they're just bending that leader's ear. And then that great leader that has all the potential in the world gets exhausted and they don't want to do that job anymore. Right. And so it's only it's only left to people who are able to disconnect and they're like, I don't care about people's feelings. <laughs> There's so a term for that. It's called compassion fatigue. Yeah, compassion fatigue. I see that happen in people all the time. And and one of the ways you combat it is putting that accountability on the team. So it's like some terms I like to use is deliver the message to the right mailbox. Mm -hmm. So if somebody is coming to you and they're complaining about other teammates, mm -hmm. they are not delivering it to the right mailbox. I always would tell my teams, you are responsible for the great culture that is amongst each other. It is not up to me. I am here. I answer your emails. I am your cheerleader. But you guys belong to each other, right? And to your point, that usually comes up as like, hey, I got feedback. I kind of want to tell you what I don't like about my fellow teammate. And now, hey, boss, do something about it. And it's like, well, this feedback isn't for me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I and love that. Put it in the right mailbox. <laughs> and if people, but if people aren't skilled, because people are really terrible at feedback, right? Like I've, t I tell this story all the time. I've asked a group of a thousand people before, like who had a positive example of seeing conflict discussed in their household. Nobody raises their hand. Nobody ever raises their hand. We only learn how to give feedback and deal with conflict, usually in work environments, and no one is skilled at it. So. What happens time and time again is a person might say, like, this other person on the team is bothering me and they don't know how to confront it because they never had the skills. They've never read the books. So they're coming to the boss. The boss sometimes doesn't know how to do it either. Boss might be even worse at it. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then so then the boss is like going to tell, oh, hey, Carrie, um, you know, Virginia said this about you. And then like they're like, why did my team just erupt? Because it's right. not their job. It's it's the wrong mailbox. I, I actually can I go on a little bird walk? I, I, I will not do name it. names, but I worked <laughs> at an organization where um, 
And I, I was like, I was, I still wrap up my value and my productivity, but we're not going to, but, but this was a moment in my career where I was like, if I just put in more hours, if I just do mm -hmm. this, if I just do that. And it was right after I had babies. So I was also very insecure and sensitive. Like, I don't want people assuming that I'm now that I'm a working parent, I'm not holding. Oh, money. absolutely. And I, I like, it really messed with me. And I think back on like, what was, why was I so crazed? But I get it anyway. I think you know so i would get this feedback that was like virginia you have to lower your expectations of others virginia you have to lower um like what others can produce not everyone's going to produce as much as you blah 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 but then yep. the, and i and i and i heard that but then the feedback started being like well you know in that meeting i think you should think about going back and ap apologizing to matt because it seemed like matt was very bother oh, oh my gosh, gosh what, what did i say and this is coming from boss okay so anyway ended up like i kept getting these like little drips of feedback like so and so is bothered by something you said and it ultimately turned into this like what i called the apology tour i was like literally like every week going into someone else's office like hey i heard that i said something in last week's meeting and here's what would happen my coworker would be like i have no idea what you're talking about mm -hmm. and i was like are you sure? Cause like, it's okay. Like if it's uncomfortable to talk about it, like I'm here to sort of take account of it. And they're like, no, I actually had no problem with what you said. My boss had such a low threshold for conflict mm -hmm. that actually created chaos out of it. Like her inability to see two people have different, differing points of view in a meeting to her felt like they were fighting. And so she then would send me on this apology toward me while my coworkers were fine. And I was like, am I losing my mind? Cause she keeps telling anyway, whatever you do. So <laughs> a little bit of a bird walk, we can edit it out later, <laughs> no, but I think it's so important. It happens all the time. Right? So, um, one of, I'm going to give, give everybody a model for this just real quick. Um, this is from the book actualized leadership by Will Sparks, who was actually one of my professors from back in the day. It's really fabulous, but, um, it talks about how we have like our default leadership styles and some people are like the overachievers and some people are like the empathetic leaders. And if, if you have a leader that is afraid of rejection, so they're mm -hmm. afraid that the people on their team aren't going to like them anymore, they are going to avoid conflict at all costs. And then what that creates is just like you described is a dramatic culture and dramatic cultures. So if someone is like a high achiever and they're so scared that they are going to underachieve, what they end up turning into is a micromanager and then they burn everybody out and everyone in that, and that culture is a detached culture because nobody cares anymore. They're just like, my boss is an asshole. Like they push me too hard. That leader doesn't mean to be a micromanager. They don't mean to create detachment, but their fears are creating that in the group of people that they're leading. So the same thing, the same level of toxicity happens if people are scared of hurting other people's fears feelings, they create this dramatic culture that has just as bad effects as a detached culture. Mm -hmm. So oh, it, was, it was dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> and then it makes people on the team. And that's why, because it makes people feel like they're going crazy. And so when we see Ted, like he's not intervening, he's putting that, that accountability, he's putting that responsibility into the group. That is what we have to do as leaders. They are responsible for their own culture. Yeah. And I think it's also a real testament to um, 
how he views sort of ownership of the team as well. Because I think there are leaders like, not this, not on my watch, not on my <laughs> team, you know, that sort of like, hold on, I'm going to nip this in the bud and keep you two from fighting in some way. But actually, like, hey, we're all, a, we are all co-owners of the success of this team. Yep. Yep. It does not Absolutely. rely entirely on me. Like, we all have our our weight to carry. And that is also a, a key understanding for any leaders that are out there that are burnt out. Like, how much are you taking on? Like, are you trying to solve all of the human problems of the people like underneath you that that's not your job? Like, you don't like take that weight off your shoulders. You don't need to do that. It's actually probably causing bad effects unintentionally, right? Like, yeah co-owners that's a great way of putting it everybody is co-owners and this collection of humans that are working together yeah and then for like roy's journey to realizing mm. that right you know he goes from telling jamie you don't realize how much influence you have to actually taking on some ownership and using his influence um in a positive way that was really great to see i i know that when that happens in the workplace it's not always easy right and so when we go to work people aren't shoving each other into like <laughs> laundry hampers or like you kind know. of <laughs> but, but, the, but the equivalent of what we might see in terms of like what bullying looks like in in the workplace might be you notice i always love giving this example and it's so funny because when i do a workshop that's like mixed like all different types of genders, I always like, hey, I'd love to just get us raise a hands like how many ha how many of you have noticed that in meetings, um, a woman is always asked to take notes. Mm. Now, let me tell you, women raise their hands all the time. Men do not. <laughs> they <have> no <laughs> and they're and then they have this like, oh, shit, how have I not noticed how? I, I, oh, my God, I've probably been the one. And then we sort of talk about why that that happens or whatever and then moving forward i was like listen it's really hard in those moments if you ask me as a woman to take notes and i feel it's pretty gendered at times or it's unfair or it always happens or i'm always picked on to do it if i complain i look like a complainer mm. but if one of my fellow teammates who happens to be a man speaks up and says like no virginia's taking notes every time let's take turns that goes so much further, right? You bring yeah. attention to it. And so what I really love is, again, sort of you recognize, you might not notice something in the beginning, but once you do, if you don't use your power and privilege to stand in solidarity with your fellow teammates, <laughs> to kind of like, I don't like that you are being put in this position for any reason, because you're an introvert, because you're a woman, because you're a woman of color. It happens, right? If you got to really think about sort of using that courage inside of you to say like, no, I'm going to do what's good for the team. I want to talk about, I want to like grow on this idea for a second and bring this, if anybody is out there and they're not interested in leadership and they just want to, you know, hear us talk, then I want to give another example. So I was at this dinner party this week and one of the women that was there, she's kind of younger, she's in her, she's in her early thirties. And she was talking about this other group of women that live in our neighborhood that can actually be kind of mean to each other. They're real competitive, et cetera. I'm, I, I don't really know them, so, but she was giving us stories and she goes in the conversation, she goes, women, women are just mean to each other and they talk behind each other's backs and that just is what it is. And I've come to accept it. And I was like, no, 
No. <laughs> I was like, that is not the case. Um, and, and I think one thing that, that women and people in general can do is that if you are in a setting where people are used to dragging people's name through the mud mm -hmm. or just being mm -hmm. like, oh, did you hear what Susan said? It'd be like, hey, like, that's not that's not how I like to roll. Like, I want to yeah. talk about ideas and I want to talk about the awesome book that you're reading. You know what I mean? It's like, like, I think that in life, too, it's paying attention to these negative paths that we can we can go down and, and standing up and saying, I don't like to talk about people in that way. And yeah. even by doing that, you're like, you can lead the people around you to, to have more positive conversations on a team or inside of life. Yeah. And I, it's something you just said is, is that there's going to be moments where inaction is almost siding with like wrong behaviors right and Roy mm -hmm. had that moment it's like okay well I asked Ted he's not going to do anything if I don't do anything it's going to continue yep do I want to do something not particularly because I don't really want to engage with these people I don't want to put myself out there I want to be left alone but it's the right thing to do <laughs> yeah and so to your point like that that if, moment in the episode where you just see that conflict and like Ted is getting in his head and he's like, oh, damn it. I'm like, yes, it's such a beautiful moment in the show. Yeah. And another beautiful moment in the show that we I didn't sort of set up in the beginning, but your comment about how women interact with each other is in episode three, we see that the growth oh. relationship between Keely and Rebecca, which we love. Keely barges into her office and gives her a cactus and puts her feet up on the cat. <laughs> and, and this, um, we also, like, very early on, we see just how observant Keely is, how deep of a character she is, how thoughtful. And yes. Oh, the, it gives me uh, chills talking about it. We love On you, the Keely. outside, she's, like, so kooky and, like, bold and all this stuff. But she's, she's, she sees people that is like her superpower so she, and she she's the, pa the power of authenticity yes 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 and when she brings in that cactus she's like it made me think of you like oh. you know and in a good way right and she just gets people and i think that her her as that character throughout the series um so sweet but this also this very particular moment when she sees rebecca is like we see rebecca softening and mm -hmm. the start of their relationship so that's really sweet and it shows you like you know like uh, spoiler <laughs> hopefully everybody's watching the show by now if you haven't go watch it again <laughs> but but like you see this beautiful friendship that they have and they're both able to elevate because they're supporting and they're they have each other's backs like yeah. that is like that is the exam I don't like to pigeonhole like women all the time, but we, but women need to see that example so much. Like, like that is how female relationships should be like nice to each other, supporting, empowering, yeah. period. It's, it, you know, and, and it's, I've always been in sort of a, a space field, you know, function that has been predominantly women. Um, 
But I have also been at organizations where it's predominantly male and it just so happens the role I do. It's like, where do the women sit? It's like <laughs> the talent function. Um, and so I, I, I have also witnessed this sort of behavior, especially like I think a little bit generational, um, maybe sort of the generation right before us where they maybe were the first woman mm -hmm. to do something. And they kind of develop these like sharp elbow survival skills. And I get it, but I think if you don't finally get to that moment, you're like, okay, now I'm going to open the door for the people behind me. There are a lot of women that do that. Like, just because you struggled doesn't mean you got them. Everyone else has to struggle. I, I have seen this behavior. It's like, well, I had to deal with it and I had to deal with my ass being grabbed. So, <laughs> and it's like, that's not the right attitude. Like. I know that's not, it's like, no, you you now you're no. you're making a different door for people to open. Yeah, you hard, yeah. But now it's yeah, it's you're kind of like, come on, make it easier for others. Like, knock those doors down. Um, I, I, my friend and I were talking about this. There's this article that was written on hazing in colleges and how like people know hazing is wrong, but there's a trauma cycle involved in it, right? So if like somebody was hazed, then they're like attached to maybe the connections that they made through suffering together with another person, or they like, oh, they yeah. want to do it to somebody else because it happened to them. And it's such a metaphor of exactly what you're talking about. Like oh. that, it's like a metaphor of a trauma cycle like why people get stuck in that trauma cycle of oh well it happened like you didn't have to work as hard as me it's like no i am working hard so the like like yeah. i was saying this the other day like like girls these days that like they enter a male dominant like i worked in the car business right for like almost 10 years i got sexually harassed every single day it was part of my job i don't want that shit no. for the girls coming i don't want that for anybody's daughters like yes i might have like persevered but like <laughs> But like, I'm so happy that people like women get to be respected in sales going and working with men now. Like, right. And now you're in a position to say again, like, don't you dare talk to me that way? Or don't dare, don't you dare talk to like another person on my team. And we're like, not working with you. Like, you can say that, like, were there always moments in your career where you could say that? No, because you probably no. risked your mm -hmm. job or your safety. Yep. But now that you can. You do, right? So I, I, I think about that a lot. By the way, this is probably going to get me a lot of heat for saying this. <laughs> the organizations where I see this sort of like, um, almost like celebrating the trauma and the hazing happen to be like in very pyramid shaped organizations mm. like professional services, like law firms or management consulting, where the you enter sort of at the bottom base of the pyramid and then it's sort of up or out um but you sort of are homegrown the whole time the people at the top know no other experience other than like i came up through the ranks and i was tortured so therefore you are too <laughs> yeah like their identity gets wrapped up in yeah. this this whole concept of of like, you have to just, I walked five miles to get to school. It's like, okay, <laughs> yes, but <laughs> like, yeah. yes, you did. But like, would you be a horrible person if you didn't, you know, like, let's question yeah. why your identity is so attached to this yeah. for just a moment. <laughs> yeah, I love people who also sort of like, well, this is how I used to do it. It's like, yeah, well, you also like, didn't have the internet. Like, of course, you did it that way. <laughs> you know, like, 
Yeah, I would have too, you know. Um, we can still teach you how to upload a PDF and it will not change who you are as the person. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I know. Oh my gosh. Um, all right. Now we're like, we're, we're... <laughs> but to kind of wrap up, so to, to give our listeners sort of the wrap up here is there will be times where, um, it really thinking about when do you use your voice? When do you use your power and privilege? And when is it the moments that you really create the space for others is really important. Um, those are the big takeaways, at least for me on sort of how Nate was invited in to share his ideas, how Roy was encouraged to use his influence on the team as a leader um, and how Ted created space for all of it. Yeah, absolutely. That was Ted's job was to create space. And I think that my final wrap up note would be that if you're a leader, and especially if you are a compassionate leader, and, and you're, you might have a little bit of empath in you, please don't get exhausted. The world needs you. Stop letting people come and complain about other people to you put a stop to it, set a boundary, because when you do that, your energy is going to be relieved to go do other great things. The world needs you. Do not give up. I love it. And if you ever doubt your ability to do it, remember, you're not necessarily shirking your responsibilities. You're empowering others to step up. Hell yes, you are. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time where we dive into the next episode, which by the way, is the the gala, the Ooh. big for the children fundraiser. So please come back because there's so much to unpack. Talk to you next week. Till next time. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we want to keep the conversation going. Share your leadership stories with us, whether they're dreams come true or some nightmares you want to talk through. You can visit us at poponleadership.com or over at Instagram at poponleadership. And a very special thanks to our friends and family who have supported us from the beginning and to Pam Rodriguez, who helped make this crazy dream a reality. Thank you. See you next time.